0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra coming up on today's show. You know what? The Atlanta Braves are the only team in this town keeping me sane right now.
1: And you know, it's good to play 15 good minutes of basketball, but when the other team plays 48 minutes of great ball, well, bless your heart.
0: And last but not least, and for the culture, Daymar Hamlin has been cleared to get back at it. We'll talk about all that next, right here on ATL Day 1s. Let's go.
1: This is ATL Day 1s, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now.
0: want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure that you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that from you in advance. It's ATL Day 1's, your team every day. Today's episode of ATL Day 1's is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. But T, when you think about the Atlanta braves and what they've been doing you know what first off i gotta start off by giving you a quick kudos you know i got we 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 gotta give each other flowers you know on a daily basis around here because you know all this stuff going on crazy stuff going on in the world we gotta make sure we show people love on this particular show i have to give you your props because you mentioned that spencer strider Sometimes he'll give you a shaky start, but he will bounce back. And bounce back he did last night, T, to the tune of six innings, nine strikeouts, and only one hit given up by a little twinkle, twinkle, twinkle little toes uh, by one Soto. (laughs) You know, and when you think about that and how he was able to bounce back and and, and basically just get back on the mound and just make really good hitters look like average guys, T, I mean – what can, what more can you even say about this team at this point with, on the 8th winning streak?
1: I got to also give love to Bally Sports South. Their announcers on the ninth strikeout, they literally said ninth strikeout from number 99, 99 miles an hour. Yeah. Jarvis, that just encompassed everything that Spencer Strider was last night. I, I said on the radio station earlier today on 92.9 that lights out to me that's not even good enough to describe what we saw. I mean, this guy took right. a no hitter into the sixth inning and Brian Snicker said post game that he felt like he could have gone for a complete game if it had come to him right. being in the vicinity of, of a no hitter beyond that sixth inning. So yeah, just amazing to see. And then what also is amazing to me, a couple different things, but we, we can go all over the place with it, but I'm going to try to keep you tight because I know mm-hmm. you want to, uh, you're excited as, as well as I am to think that Spencer Strider in just his first full season with the Braves has approached something that John Smoltz did not you tied him for nine straight games of nine strikeouts and the major's record is 11. This guy is only in his first full season, four and oh two as a brave four and oh, exactly. These are, I mean, this is so important because this goes back to, however, we were having the same conversation yesterday weren't we Jarvis about Mm -hmm. Max Fried and we hope to have this conversation about Charlie Morton but if we don't we have had this conversation about Bryce Elder within the last week because the Braves are okay and I'm coming up the rear bringing it all the way full circle do you know Mike Soroka had a night last night
0: went off went off like
1: this is unbelievable and you and i have yet to really deep dive and we will we will we might actually do it if you guys come back tomorrow especially our everydayers but jarvis we haven't really even deep dived into the bullpen this is it's unbelievable. It's crazy.
0: unbelievable how deep this team is, right? Because, you know, we got into a little shakiness, like, you know, Spencer Strider, get, Strider getting off to a slow start, sure. you know, last uh, against Cincinnati and, you know, Rick Kranitz had even come out to the mound and say, hey, man, snap out of it. Stop overthinking it and just go pitch. And, you know, uh, Spencer Strider talking about how he needed those type of things. It just – with the managers and the general manager and Alex Anthopoulos and, and Brian Snicker just being in tune with this team and understanding these guys and make, making they're making the right moves Playing chess out there, not checkers. When it comes to who to put out there, who should go down to AAA, who should come up, who should need, needs a little bit more time in, the, in, the, uh, in AAA, and need a couple rehab starts. All of those things kind of come into play to you when you talk about this team being on the eight-game winning streak, and they just look like world beaters. Like nobody, no, like I, I think people need to understand like what went down in these past two games. The San Diego Padres have spent a Buku mouth of money to get guys in here who can hit the baseball. And like I said, Spencer Strider made those guys look like they were lost out there. They have no they had the way he struck out one subtlety, I was just like, that dude looked like he had no clue what was coming. It was just like he was expecting something else and then he came with the off speed pitch and I was just like yes. This dude is absolutely dealing now. I love Max Free. I love his attitude, how he approaches the mound and everything. But Spencer Strider is must see TVT yeah. when you think about him coming in there with basically two pitches and saying, "You know what? I'm throw. You know what? You know what's coming, and I want you to hit it." And he hit that 99 miles per hour on a gun tee in the fifth inning, like. Like, how does your velocity go up as right. the game goes along? <laughs> so, you know, it's just so amazing. They have Snicker confirming that, just saying, hey, if he, he would have gone a little bit further with the no-hitter, he had, we, we knew he had enough gas to be able to go further is, into however long that no-hitter would have lasted. So, yeah, I, I think that the Braves right now, T, they're in a space where good luck when it comes to, you know, or whether or not you're going to get a dub when you start seeing those guys come to town. Yeah.
1: And Sean Murphy goes back to what you said about rehab assignments. Travis yeah. Darno, having a history of concussions, he has cleared the technical concussion protocol time frame for Major League Baseball, the seven days. But yeah. the Braves are being cautious because of that history. But more importantly, Jarvis, they can be cautious because Sean Murphy is doing it at the plate and behind the plate. So, again, we're... The, the embarrassment of riches, same thing for Michael Harris, the we haven't quite seen him get into a space where he's at BP and we're seeing like, okay, he's ready to come back. So why rush him? Sam Hilliard is doing a fine job in center mm-hmm. field. The, yes. the reason we mention these things is because it is important to know. And Sam Hilliard is somebody that they've Placed all over the outfield pretty much to see where he could deliver, and he has been solid. So that's the exciting part as you look at this run because we're seeing it from different ways. And we even talked about the fact that, wow, the Braves could actually pull it off 2-0. And last night's game looked like they were going to do it again, right? So you get Mm -hmm. a two-run home run from Sean Murphy in the fourth inning, and you're thinking, oh, okay, we're good. Because Spencer Strider's doing his thing through the sixth, and it's looking like another 2-0 win. (laughs) Ha! Think again. Yeah. Ozzy Albies has something to say about that in the eighth inning. And Matt Olson said, oh no, Ozzie, that's not year. enough insurance. In insurance. I'm just going to give you three more.
0: <laughs> Pop this off Unreal. real quick.
1: Real, Exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's so very exciting. So yeah, now all we need to do is get Uncle Charlie Morton, Unk. to get back to being unk. Come on. And mm-hmm. we're good because Kyle Wright is doing his thing. And this also takes some pressure off of your rookies. This takes some pressure off of Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd as far as that pitching staff goes. So just exciting to see that the Braves really have all of these weapons that are functioning at a high level so early in the season.
0: Yeah, it is, it is amazing to watch. And like I said, they are the only ones in this town keeping me sane. So you know what? We will definitely have to get into why. They have to keep me saying a little bit later on in the show, you know, we know who we're talking about, the team that plays with that orange ball. But first, we got to talk about the Atlanta Falcons T. Desmond Ritter out there at Flowery Branch. I got a chance to get out there and kind of talk with them and rap with them a little bit. But I think that it's safe to say that when we talk about there are two types of coverage when it comes to this team, right? The national coverage and the local coverage. And I kind of lean towards the local coverage having a – a little bit more in depth as far as the context of this team, right? What's going on, you know, what the day-to-day, what the team is thinking and everything, because, hey, we're here every day, each and every day. But I think that um, Desmond Ritter was asked about the national media saying, basically, the Falcons don't have a quarterback when it comes to Lamar Jackson and maybe C.J. Stroud or should they trade up and all of this stuff, right? And he was asked about it, and I thought his answer was pretty interesting. He was like, hey – I have a TV, so I watch it. But he said, at the end of the day, yeah, it does give me a little chip on my shoulder. What do you, what do you think about the time frame in which you felt like you knew that um, Desmond Ritter uh, would be the starter for this team? Was it early on, or did did you kind of figure out that he was going to be the guy as Desmond Ritter found out?
1: Yeah, I've always felt like he could be the guy. I never bought into the Falcons need to draft a quarterback this season. Because yeah. I always said, worst case of scenario, if it doesn't work out this season, when we see Desmond Ritter for maybe 17 games, then you always have next season. Like, Caleb yeah, Williams a does exist. Do mm-hmm. Yeah, there are right. quarterbacks coming up the, the rear, if you will. Cade May does exist. Mm-hmm. So I never felt like the, the Falcons were in jeopardy, as maybe some of the national media pundits said. And, oh, my God, they don't have a quarterback. Yes, they do. Yeah, Yeah, they have a quarterback. They have a guy who showed us progression in four games enough for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot to be confident to say, hey, you're QB one. And I feel confident in that as well, because when you talk to former coaches, former teammates, current teammates, everyone says the same thing. Chip on his shoulder, Des Ritter. Is a scary, scary QB one. So I said to myself, you know what chip on the shoulder des is good for Desmond Ritter, but you know who is really good for the Falcons, because that to me sounds a little bit like you got some dog in you. So you might be nice. And you might not be the most vocal person being mean, like a rah rah guy, but that's okay. As long as you got some dog in you when you get under center next season for 17 games, especially looking at what the rest of the NFC South looks like, I think the Falcons are in very, very good position and Jarvis, not just because they still have Grady Jarrett, not because they went out and got Calais Campbell and David Anyamata, Jesse Bates, et cetera. I'm also saying that they are good because they got a guy under center.
0: Absolutely. And I think that when you have the, the, the regi- this regime, Terry Fono, Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank as well understanding what they have and understanding what they evaluated last year and not wavering. Because here's the thing. If they're wrong, I'm okay with that. Because at the end of the day, when you – When you do your homework and you do the research and this is who you feel like is going to be the guy, you go with that. And you don't bow out of that after one year. I don't like that. That's shakiness. That's Arizona Cardinal type stuff. Like, I don't want, you don't want to be in a conversation with the Cleveland Browns. Like, they were connected with a story with the Cleveland Browns the worst organization in in the history of football in the last 30 years. You know what I mean? You don't want to be in those conversations. So I think that in order to separate yourself from that, you have to say, go with that guy and and trust your evaluation on him.
1: Yes. And I just want to say one thing before we wrap up. Yes. Jarvis and I know that CJ Stroud is in flowery branch today on a visit. Yep. Uh, along with Jalen Carter, so you guys yep. definitely know we're going to talk about that tomorrow. And Jarvis, like he said, had the opportunity to be out at Flowery Branch tomorrow, uh yesterday rather, and tomorrow we're going to deep dive into that as well because he's got some excellent nuggets from some conversation that he had. But the one thing I wanted to share as well, going back to C.J. Stroud being there, you still have to do your due diligence. So Jarvis and I aren't saying don't do yeah, your due diligence so. and at least take a look at a CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, because you don't know how the board is going to turn out. So if the board turns out that that type of generational quarterback drops to you, okay, we understand. You gotta do your due diligence in that regard. But again, it's not about, oh, we don't think we got a guy. We got a guy. It's just that sometimes if you have a guy and then you maybe have a little bit of a generational guy that falls to your lap, you at least want to have had the opportunity to have some conversation with him in addition to the film that you may have seen, so that you are ready on next Thursday.
0: Absolutely. Now we're going to talk about insanity next. But first, <laughs> we got to talk about FanDuel because we want to get you, guys, before we get into that foolishness that we saw last night, we got to talk about FanDuel and try to get you some money because it is the number one sportsbook ever in america you guys are the number one you know uh, we are the number one podcast to you guys in your hearts and and we you rock with us each and every day so how about this go to the the number one sports book in america that's gonna win you some money that's fandu.com locked on you know the baseball season is going on it's making me happy it's making T happy so yeah go in there and check out the official sports book. For Major League Baseball You can go check out the money lines The over-unders They got all those things right there Waiting just for you And for all the new customers They have the no sweat first bet Up to $1,000 That's that's bonus bets back If your first bet doesn't win So you've been losing the money with the Hawks Trying to bet on them for some strange reason How about this Go win you some money And bet on these players Because I am 100% all in on this team So what we're going to do Go check out the No Sweat First Bet up to $1,000 and bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com today and check out the official sports betting partner of the Major Leagues.
1: Yeah, the Braves are your better bet, even down to Ronald Acuna, who was over Austin Riley, who was over. Don't think that's going to happen again today. It happened last night, and the Braves still did their thing. Now, you want to talk about offers, Jarvis? It felt like <laughs> offers from deep from Which Trey one? Young last night. Yeah, two he hit one. two. He hit two, but two feels like zero to me. It yes. just it it was yeah. unbelievable because, like we said at the beginning of the show. There were really good moments, especially in that first quarter, for the most part, right? Right. So you felt like, oh, wow, all of what Quinn Snyder has been tinkering with since game one on Saturday showed up in those first 15 minutes, however, or 12 minutes or 18, depending on how liberal you want to be. Mm -hmm. However, the Celtics literally said, okay, okay, so, okay, we've seen everything in the toolkit now. It's time for Big Bro to show you, oh, but our toolkit is bigger. So they go on a 20-4 to run, and yeah, the Hawks got it down to eight at some point in the third quarter, thanks to the one and only DeJounte Murray. He was like a one-man wrecking crew in that third quarter. But ultimately speaking, the Celtics never really had this game out of of hand. Why, Jarvis? Because, and yeah, I'm going to go on just a slight rant before Mm -hmm. I give it over to Jarvis, 119 to 106 may not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal when you look at the fact that five times these teams have played, five times the margin of victory for the Celtics has been an average of 13.2 points. So 13 Mm -hmm. last night, 13 Saturday, and 13 the last three times. That to me is a challenge Jarvis, but let's be real about it. Just talking about game two. How did the Hawks
0: Oh, wow. Where do I start? Um, let me go. I'm going to start with Trey Young. And when you think like we talking about flows of the game right before, you know, you know and I have some very interesting conversations. One of these days we're going to put it out there. I don't know how uh, uh feels about that. But, you know, we're going to put it out there. One of these days to let to let you all in on what we talk about off air. But, you know, you talk about flows of the game and I use the Celtics, for example, because they're a great example. Like, when you talk about, like, they're hitting shots, they're moving the ball, they're playing good defense, and, and you see the momentum, right? And then that starts to wane a little bit, you know, for like a couple minutes or so. And then next thing you know, oh, they hit a couple threes, they're right back in it, and they're right back into the floor of the game and doing exactly what you expect them to do. We've never seen that from the Hawks. Like, because it'll be... One time, like, like you start off, like, using the first quarter, for example, they got off to a great start. And then it seems like once they got to the 22 points, it was just, like, like, they lost their brains. Like, they didn't know understand, like, how to play basketball anymore and start turning the ball over. And you start to see John Collins just doing crazy stuff and, and, and just, like, you know, like, if, if I remember every shot that you made in the first half, that's not a good thing, sir. Like, so when you have the the combination of those two guys, guys who you've drafted, guys who who you feel like are going to be staples in your organization be, under previous regime because we understand there're going to be some changes this summer, but those guys, those two guys who've been paid accordingly, they just didn't show up and DeJounte Murray can't be the guy to try to do it on his own, T.
1: What a great point you make about doing it on your own. And we take nothing away from the fact that there's always that rando, although I can't call Derek White a rando because I wanted the Hawks to go <laughs> you know, after he, him last season. He so, wasn't a rando
0: last so, night. Yeah. So <laughs> let me let me be clear.
1: I don't really think of Derek White as a rando because I was sad when the Hawks did His not grab him. <laughs> when the Hawks didn't acquire him last <laughs> season, I was like, darn it. I really thought Derek White would have made a, a, a huge made, hit a, lot right here. made yeah, a lot of sense. And, yeah, and so and, and that was of course before the Dejounte Murray trade. I was all in on Derek White, so he showed up for Boston last night from their bench, and of course it was just an off night for the bench for the Hawks. It happens. We're right. not gonna leave it at the feet of anyone from the bench mob because right. your starters nope. are where we got, we're gonna leave this thing. The mm-hmm. reason being, going back to the Dejounte Murray trade, and you just mentioned it. We were thinking, okay, there's a guy. Yeah, the Hawks might need one more guy in order to get to the Eastern Conference Finals or even to get to the NBA Finals. But with this guy, at a minimum, if every other starter plays like he's supposed to play, they should be able to get into the second round of the playoffs and at least compete to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Why in the world are we still having a conversation about a team that got out of the play-in, but at the rate they're going in the opening round may not even get past four games. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be negative, pa- pessimistic, or dark in my Just thought keep process. Funky, I'm that's all. simply yeah. saying, <laughs> yes, I'm simply saying that one guy can't be the game changer. DJ can't be the game changer if the other four around him are three. If the other three around him aren't giving it to him, because I'm not going to lay this at Clint Capella's feet. Clint Capella's been solid. Where yeah. I'm going to lay this is at Trey's, J.C.'s, and DeAndre's. It got to the point where pre pre we do a pre-brief, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Pre-show,
1: we didn't even bring up Dre. That's how invisible he was. And he was been. awful,
0: T. Like, like, basic stuff, dribbling the basketball. Like, how do you... How's... I, I should, yeah, like, how? Like, how? This dude dribbling the basketball, it looks like he just learned how to do it. And he's falling back into, you know, just learning how to play basketball and learn how to dribble, T. And I'm just like, dude, where... What is going on with this cat? Like I just like it's too many guys on this roster yeah. team that when you when you see them play, go through a quarter or go through two quarters or even a, a whole game, it's too many guys. Where I sit up there and watch and say, "What are you doing?" <laughs> what are you doing like, yeah. it's too many guys too on many. this roster that that my my response and i'm sure i'm not the only one like what are you doing even trey Young, t yeah. like what are you doing yeah
1: we say that more about veterans because after your third year i'm calling you a veteran
0: we absolutely say that
1: more about the veteran starters than we do about the rookie aj griffin like we yep. haven't had this conversation a lot about him although i know he's not a part of the rotation right now for Quinn Snyder, but ultimately speaking, we shouldn't be having this conversation. You and I shouldn't be saying, wait a minute, John Collins didn't score again after the third minute in the game? Should not be a part of our conversation. Wait a minute, <laughs> Trey Young shot has shot, what, three for 18 from three across two games? That should not be a part of our conversation. Also, you taking 22 shots and only getting, what, 24 points out of it? Yep. That shouldn't be a part of our conversation. Yeah. I can't like I can't even put words into it other than to say, at this point you almost don't have a choice but to kind of look at the off season because it's yeah. clear to see that's where we are right now. That, yeah, yeah, it's clear to see that you might be more than just one more player away from even getting to the second round with what with what you're showing these first couple of games. Now, what it might look like when they come back to State Farm Arena Friday? Okay, fine. Jarvis and I, we'll we'll look at that, but Jarvis, the mental lapses that we saw last night, things like taking six, seven seconds off the 24-second clock just to bring the ball up, and then you're driving the lane against somebody who you know is about to pick your pockets because they're about a foot taller than you, these are just things that we've seen that it's like, Jarvis, how many times are we going to see this team revert back to some of those bad habits?
0: This team is mentally weak. Can I just go ahead and say that? I think I've said it before on this show, but I want to go ahead and, and 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 press that point a little bit because here's the thing: when you have guys always talking about, you know, we weren't mentally prepared or we weren't mentally there, or and and, and all that all you're doing is admitting that you're mentally weak as a team and as an individual. Yes, John, I'm talking about you because when you think about. You know, guys continue to point out certain things about what's going on, and I even I give Trey a little credit after the game last night. He said, "Hey, I got to play better. I'm going to play better. And I get that." And, and putting yourself out on the line—that's kind of, those those are leadership skills, people. Yeah, yeah you got to re- at least respect that to a certain degree. So, when you have all these things going on and have all these guys going to the mental jabbing that they're going through, through throughout these games, and you don't know what's going on in these guys' heads, it, it's it's too many though. It's too many guys going through that right and, and 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 it's showing on the court night in and night out and these these last two games that the hawks have played have just been awful that's just yeah. what it is
1: it really has and like you said this is one of those things where at the end of the day what we want to see is just a little bit more of the flashes that you give like yeah 13 points, especially in the league, it's it's not a whole heck of a lot. Let's face it. I mean, you yeah. can hit two or three threes and you're right back in this thing. That's how they, in part, got it down to eight points. The challenge with that is, and something else you said as well, the challenge with that is when you have mental lapses, let me back up, when the Celtics have mental lapses that in real time, not basketball time, might be two to three minutes, and then when they reset, they go hard. Yeah. You can't they go back right to right, they right, reset
0: right back to where right, they were,
1: and it's a, yeah. an immediate, immediate reset. Yes. Doesn't take a time Absolutely. out, they reset themselves at this yep. point. You can't then afford to have. Six or seven minutes of real time trying to reset, and then Quinn Snyder has to reset you. Like that can't keep happening. Not if the in too many veterans too, on this team to yeah, have to do that. Just too many veterans on this team. So, like we said, hopefully, somehow, some way, you got three days to kind of reset yourselves before you come back home and make this a bit of a series. And we are still hoping that that's going to happen. But boy, oh boy, what we saw last night, which was still what we saw on Saturday too.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's
1: a long road to Friday, long road to Friday. But hey, Everydayers, you guys rock with us and we know on some level you gotta keep rocking with the Hawks and we don't blame you. We don't blame you because they're not counted out until they're counted out, right? Just like you guys don't count us out because you're always all in with ATL day one. So we appreciate you guys always stopping by this set. First and foremost, watch us on YouTube. And even when we are on some can't get right like you all told us we were on one aspect of our show yesterday, you know what? love on you guys because hey at least you take the time to comment and that means you actually care so we appreciate that appreciate you guys downloading us as well wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget tell your friends tell your family tell your colleagues so they can become everydayers too
0: yes go ahead and join the family We would really appreciate you. I have Red Solo Cup waiting just for you. But, T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's just how we get down, whether it be Red Solo Cups or, you know, talking about, you know, Damar, Damar Hamlin. T, guess what? He has been fully cleared to play Football to resume playing football, and he said that he is excited about getting back on the field. T like when you think about what happened. For those you don't know, you've been hiding on the rock. Maybe he got into um, an incident on the field where he was laid out against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'll never forget sitting there on that couch, T on that I think a Thursday night football game, and I was just like, "Oh my God, this dude hasn't moved for like ten to twenty minutes," and come to find out, he did. You know, uh, you know, ha- did not have a heartbeat, and they were able to revive him and get him back, back to life essentially. So I think that when you think about coming from that to now, getting back at it, resuming football activities, to like, what does that say to you?
1: That is unbelievable. Like it, it's, yeah. it's just nothing short of a miracle. And my mind went to, although different situation, a little bit of a different situation because of the hit. That Bontez uh, Berfect put on Ryan Shazier. But we were just excited when he was able to walk again because yeah. the, we we just didn't know as, as Steeler Nation, will he even walk again? Will he be able to talk again? Like, how much functionality will he have? And, right. you know, he has, for the most part, resumed a normal life, but it'll never be resumed on the f- football field again. Yeah damar hamlin can actually play a game he loves and all i could think of was wow the love of his life so to speak was almost like taken away from him in the blink of an eye yeah and just in the blink of an eye it came right back and when i say blink of an eye just meaning hey we're only talking about a few months here this could have been a years long recovery so i'm just excited for him and the opportunity that he has and just the ability to kind of also shine a light as well on the importance of, hey, send positive thoughts, send positive prayers, these things matter. Having people rally around you matters. And also, I think it just continues to give the league an opportunity to say, hey, we need to continue to focus on the safety and the well-being of our players because, hey, this is still a violent sport at the end of the day.
0: And that's where my thoughts kind of like, I don't know what, want to say if they, they turn a little bit, but my my thing when I first heard, you know, that he was deciding to, uh, that he had been cleared and he wants to, you know, resume playing, it was kind of like, all right, I understand, I get it. But from a former athlete perspective, you want to get back out there, you want to get back to some normalcy, but I, I for me... I really feel like the the story should hold off on a uh, hold off a little bit. You know what I'm saying as far as him getting right back at it, right? Because as if this is normal. This is not normal. This the dude died on the field. Like and, and I think that for the, the and the reason why I wanted to hold off a little bit is because of what you just mentioned. The NFL taking more safety measures and not this surface stuff. Like I'm talking about uh Life uh, medical coverage. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless of how long you play in the league, if you played a down in the NFL, you got a uh, f- uh, medical coverage for life. That's real solid, concrete caring for people. You know what I mean? You backing up with your money because you know a lot of times, like people can say they care about you or can say they they'll look out for you, but until they come out of their pocket when you're down and out, like it's hard for. You. I know for me, it's hard for me to believe it. So I, I think that. If they market just hold off a little bit, just not from just coming back, but just from a standpoint of getting right back at it because yeah. that's what the NFL wants. They want to get right back at it yeah, and don't, so we can uh, just put the So we can away go and, yeah, yeah, and I don't I don't want that to happen. I want the NFL to pay. And not necessarily from a a ransom, but just hey man, like back it up with your money. You say you you say you try to change rules, you try to all go say you want to do th- certain things, but Back it up with your money and say, you know what? If you play a down in NFL, you got medical coverage for life. That's 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 the real. That's the real right there. That's how you show you care. God dogged. Indeed. Sorry, so sorry. Sorry about that, y'all. We want to just say uh, thank you. We'll end it right there. We'll end it right there. And we want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available on YouTube and wherever you download your podcast. So make sure you check us out there. We really appreciate that from you in advance. For all the people who been rocking with us every day, the everydayers, we appreciate you as well. Go ahead and join the family. Go ahead and get a part of this thing, man. We got some good things going on right here on ATL Day Ones. And last but not least, before we get out of here, I want to make sure that you guys share love, show love, and most importantly, make sure you spread love.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.